Hello. It's Christy Gray, your newest hype girl and astrologer. Welcome to the Cosmic Hotline. This week, we're joined by Mel for our first live session. We covered so much ground in our conversation that I have split this up into two parts for your listening pleasure. This is part one. When I first connect with someone, I need to be able to meet them where they're at, on their astrology journey. Have they experienced astrology before? What's their relationship like with astrology? Are they obsessed or that they could be completely skeptical? Do they know their sun, moon and ascendant? Have they seen another astrologer before? Or they might not know anything. And that's way more common than you might think. One thing I love is the longer we know each other and every time we connect, it's an opportunity for you to deepen your learning and understanding of the stars. Today, Mel has a great question, which may not be something I touch on in our first Astrology Unlock session. Purely because you may not be ready for this information, it might not be relevant, but the question always is, how deep do you want to go, baby? What you just said resonated so much with how the experience has been. It's like, also, not just how deep you want to go, but what are you ready for? When you understand the kind of top level, how you start, which was very basic for me, I was completely new. I had heard things here and there, but a very vague understanding of anything at all. And then it just kept getting deeper and deeper. But I still get so much out of all of these other things. The question is, I've seen things in my natal chart that aren't planets. What do I need to know about them? There's so much in a natal chart that is yet to be explored because it's your map of potential. It's the celestial blueprint of your soul. And like any type of map, there's always uncharted territory. And you might go on a journey somewhere and explore what you need to, but you might not be at a place where you're ready to see everything. And then you come back to it and you might approach it with a fresh set of eyes and you're like, oh, I can see this now. Just any time we travel to a destination in the world or we go on an adventure, there's always something new to explore. And I say that's the same with astrology. There's always something new to unlock. Normally, personal planets, outer planets, zodiac signs and houses, that's where we all begin. But then there's other placements in a natal chart, whether they're points or celestial bodies, where they have so much meaning, which... We're going to dive into the axis of your natal chart. And they're really significant angles in astrology. But we don't necessarily dive into them when we first connect. Because if I offloaded all this information on you, you'd walk away and you'd be like, I don't necessarily have clarity and perspective of what's important now. But when we get to this beautiful place, you can go, oh, okay, now I can join more of those pieces of the puzzle together. It's like that. I'm really attracted because our lives aren't simple. And... There's so many different variables and factors going around. I'm always like wary of strategies that apply to something as deep as life that are really simple or linear. And I think there's a place for simplicity, especially at the beginning, yeah. sun, moon, yeah. and rising, or that sort of entry point makes a lot of sense and it's really helpful. But I love when it's actually a system and that's definitely one of the things that attracts me most yeah. and it sparks my curiosity the most because systems have all of these delicious things that happen from the relationships between things. 
I sense that this is there, but I have no idea about it. Absolutely. So we'll start there and then we'll dive into a couple of these other elements that you want to explore because I know that you were really curious about Lilith and then also Chiron. I'm going to dedicate a separate episode purely on Chiron because I think that Chiron is such an amazing asteroid in our natal chart that can give us so much insight into the soul issues we need to unlock to rise above and become the best version of ourselves. We definitely need to talk about. So <laughs> curious. Lay it on me. If you're listening and learning, this is your cue to pull out your natal chart if you're not driving and you can safely do so. There are angles in astrology which are the lines you see throughout your chart on the cusp of each house. The houses are the segments from 1 through to 12. The lines represent a new beginning point for manifestation depending on the themes that house or ruling planet represents. Now, the hard angles or axis are the thicker lines that divide your natal chart into four segments, which is at 3, 6, 9, and 12 o'clock. The ascendant, or also known as the rising sign, is on the left-hand side of your natal chart, on the cusp of the first house. This is the exact point that determines what time you came into this world, and it relates to self-expression. The ascendant, or AC, stretches across to the right-hand side of your chart, and this point is known as the descendant, which you'll find on the cusp of the seventh house. This point is known as the DC, and it represents the others, meaning what you seek in a relationship with others. The bottom of the chart on the cusp of the fourth house is known as the Eman Coli, or the IC. This relates to your home and heritage. You'll notice that the IC stretches to the top of the natal chart and on the cusp of your 10th house is the Midhaven, also known as your MC. This relates to your reputation or legacy. Depending on your preferred house system will determine how these points are displayed. I use Placidus as my preferred house system and equal for writing horoscopes and astrology forecasts. So let's dive in. I'm going to start with your ascendant. The best way for me to explain your ascendant is at the time that you were born, if your mum looked out to the most eastern part of the horizon, there would have been a constellation in the sky. It's how you come into this world. It's how others see you. Now, what I love so much about this point in a natal chart is that an ascendant constellation lasts around two and a half hours. So it means in a 24-hour period, every zodiac sign gets its time to shine in the sky. From my perspective, it means we're all so important in that 24-hour period. For you, Mel, your ascendant is in Pisces. Pisces is the altruist of the zodiac. It represents our intuition, our relationship with the collective unconscious and conscious, the subconscious mind, psychic abilities, and it is really about being at one with the universe. And they're really some big terms. It's because it is. It's the last sign of the zodiac. Now, how that can show up is how we relate to purpose not being one tangible thing, but how do we feel fulfilled of purpose? And also how do we invoke joy? And so for you being in Pisces, this is all about you igniting your imagination. It's about getting lost in creativity. It's about dreaming up what's possible and romanticizing your life. That's the high vibrational elements of Pisces and how you can really lean into that when you're feeling like life is out of alignment. What you do need to watch though, especially if you have Pisces in your big three being sun, moon or ascendant, is that escapism is something that is really alluring and that can be positive, romanticizing your life, 
but it can also be opportunistic, meaning you might get lost in gaming, drinking, Netflixing and chilling, and you lose track of time. So it's really important to have boundaries with yourself, but also then boundaries with other people. Because if you don't have those boundaries in place, you can get sucked into the abyss and it can be sometimes hard to come out of. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and really, I can see how it plays in both the high vibe when I'm in my strength, when everything's flowing really well. It's definitely a huge place of curiosity, but also curiosity and mysticism at the same time for me, definitely. <laughs> and then like when I'm really in my sweet spot, especially with work, but also just with play and life and everything else. There's a transcendent quality as well as the creativity and kind of juicy aspects. But then obviously the flip side, everything, <laughs> the thing that makes you strong is part of what makes you weak as well. So when things come effortlessly to you, you might stop paying attention. And it, I find it easy to slip into escapism. But being older now, I'm very aware of when that's happened. So it can be, I can choose, is this working for me? And actually, I just need a little break and completely enjoy the escapism which usually is more often the case now but then also just making sure hey is this actually aligned with what I need right now as well so I guess yeah your strengths and weaknesses themselves both have a positive and a negative that's the thing it's not cut and dry with astrology it's not black and white there's nuance there's duality just when you think you've mastered an element of your natal chart and you've ascended in that area, something will happen in life or you'll be up-leveling in an area and then you'll feel that pull of trying to find your equilibrium again. And just knowing that escapism can be both positive and opportunistic, having the self-awareness around that, you can choose to lean into what feels good for you in that moment, depending on what you're navigating. Just that awareness as well. Is very empowering because yeah. it's, it's that linear versus system idea again if we just look at say the ascendant as one thing then it we're only allowing it to be one thing but obviously it's affected by every other thing that's happening in our world and our lives and in, in the cosmos as well totally i suppose the best way to frame this point is that you're seen in a self-expression it's how the see you it's how you express yourself in the world I think when we're younger, we definitely lead with our ascendant. As we get older, we really grow into our sun sign more. I know a lot of astrologers say that it is that more that younger part of ourselves, but I truly believe it's still such a huge part of our personality and how we gain a sequence of equilibrium when we're looking for fulfillment and joy. That makes sense. Is it also, for me, it's definitely been something that, I don't know if it's true for others, but maybe more prevalent the older I get life I'm not sure I identified with this part of myself very much until maybe my 20s I don't know <laughs> you'll have more insight onto yeah. that but I've definitely noticed that looking back before I dive in with an example here about how my ascendant has impacted my life I thought it was important to point out an observation from speaking with many astro lovers observing friends and working with hundreds of clients I believe astrology and the stars can help give us insight into ourselves and the world around us. Your natal chart is your default setting of you. Just like when you buy a new computer, it comes with a factory setting, which is classified as its default mode. But you have the opportunity to upgrade it, buy a bunch of fancy apps to make it more efficient and more specific to your needs. 
I see your natal chart through the same lens. You can always upgrade it through your thoughts, feelings, and actions. That's why I refer to it as your map of potential. But I also believe in nature versus nurture, how society shapes us, our genetics, our lineage, and the experience that shape us in our lives. Just like no two people are the same, no two natal charts are the same, so your experience is unique to you. So my ascendant is in Leo, and Leo is about self-expression and charismatic. It's a fire sign. It's fixed fire. It gives off optimism and positivity. I found more so when I was younger that I was that naturally as a person, but I would lean into more the low vibrational state of Leo. I needed to be seen. I needed to be heard. I was more probably ego driven with my actions. Whereas now, because I'm in my late thirties, it shows up more of how can I use this energy as the catalyst to help somebody else without expecting anything in return. It's more about how can I lift them to a state that they feel empowered. That resonates with me as well like you kind of gotta as though I went through all the mistakes and the hardships to realize this doesn't work and then from there you can explore what does and then once you've experienced all of it then you're empowered to use it absolutely then directly opposite your ascendant is your descendant or DC this point speaks into how you relate to other people because the seventh house is all about relationships it's other people. For you, you don't have any planets in the seventh house, but your seventh house is ruled by Virgo. And so Virgo is your descendant in your natal chart. And what this means is that if we were just not even looking at the rest of your natal chart, Mel, and we're just looking at this placement, as if we think about Virgo as a sign, Virgo is a natural born healer and teacher. Virgo rules health and also doing things optimally also has a sense of practicality to it because it is, it's like the the perfectionist of the zodiac. How you may find that this shows up is that this is about how you approach your relationship. So there is, there's a practicality to the relationships that you have. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like they serve a purpose, just like you like to serve a purpose within your relationships also need to serve a purpose as well. Thing for me, why I relate so much to that term, it just means I really see the parts of relationships that are I'm I'm really aware of the energy of give and take in relationships and also what roles people play in different parts of my life. I really don't feel like you can get all your needs met through one person and I feel that our social kind of network is really important to us. And so for me, it's more like, is there, is there needs that I'm not having met in an area of my social kind of world? And then I'll go and look for that. So that's more how that shows up for me but there's there's like a nearly an organizing quality to it but that's at the top level it's not about these specific individuals I'm like oh this person's not this enough or this person's too this it's not that at all well you're a Libra sun of course it's not going to be about that because you're all about people and you're the you're the personal air planet of the zodiac so people are of great importance to you and this is when we look at your natal chart as a whole and this is why it's so important not to just look at something singularly in astrology because it's multi-dimensional everything's communicating with each other in some ways and so that's a perfect example that there is an organization to your relationships but it comes from a place of wanting to get the best from your life experience oh yeah that's like a pri- like a high priority it's just like how can I nourish everything I remember an earlier conversation where you mentioned it being something about Jupiter being significant in my natal chart there was this idea of like and it's so true 
me being really aware of when you water things, they grow, or when you nurture an area or pay attention to an area or give it care. And I like to distribute that <laughs> if I can as well. It's such a beautiful takeaway from Jupiter. Everyone's, oh, I love Jupiter. Jupiter's a sexy planet because it represents abundance and expansion. And that sounds all really great. But what Jupiter also is a gas planet, which can be all of this puff and wind with no substance, <laughs> for instance, with a Jupiter transit. So at the moment for you, you have Jupiter transiting your second house. The second house is a Taurus house. So it's all about money and mastery. It's about building foundations. So that's self-esteem and self-worth. So if you work on those key areas of your life, Jupiter will reward you and meet you with exactly what energy input that you've put in there but if you choose not to do anything and go ah oh, I've got Jupiter transiting my second house oh money's gonna be coming in I'm gonna be buying those lotto tickets you're probably gonna find that you may not reap the rewards whereas if you put more work in for self-discovery and really igniting your inner wisdom that's when you're rewarded and that reward may not come instantly with Jupiter but it will come through time it's just it, it's enabling you to get there a little easier it's the fast road instead but you've still yeah. got to move on the road <laughs> that's the thing and I think sometimes too especially with a Jupiter return and Jupiter return happens approximately every 12 years and so things are easier normally during those times depending on if you've been listening, I'm not going to say they're always easy because it depends on other things happening in the chart things flow but sometimes we can have too much of a good thing. And because when things are going so easy, we can become complacent. I feel that. That's why I even say with aspects in astrology, if you have lots of trines or sextiles, that's where the energy flows. It's effortless. That's great. We love that in a natal chart. But if you have no friction in a chart, like no squares or quincunxes, that's the friction. That's where the challenge comes from. But that's how you build resilience. So we need friction in life because if things are too easy, the energy flows and we don't really realize how much we can unearth our potential. Oh, I totally agree with that. <laughs> it's a very different sort of space. But um, in like the business, there's a big thing around how you want to make everything seamless for the customer. But that's also not memorable. If there's no friction at all, <laughs> there's no tension, there's no interest or intrigue then you are invisible. You disappear. And so, yeah. so that's easy, but do you want it to be easy? Okay. So if I've sparked your curiosity in this episode and you're keen to learn more, the best place to start is Astrology Unlocked. We'll explore how you can start stepping into the vibration of your higher self by diving into your key astrological placements and unpacking what they might have in store for you. When you know the foundations of your natal chart, you have the power to unlock so many opportunities for growth, expansion, and joy. You'll find Astrology Unlocked and access to my calendar to book your first session on my website, or send me an email, babe, at hello at christygray.com, as I'd love to hear from you, and of course, I'm always here to answer your questions. I see is at the lowest point of the chart, so it sits on the fourth house cusp. And the IC is our home, relationship to home, and also our heritage. 
So when you start looking at a chart as a whole, I'm also looking to see, does this person have a nighttime chart or a daytime chart? Like do all their planets sit above at the top of the natal chart? Like you have a lot of planets at the top of the chart, Mel, so you have a daytime chart. Whereas if you had a lot of planets at the bottom, you'd have a nighttime chart. Lying outside on the grass and I'm looking up at the sky, that's the daytime. And then all the constellations that are beneath the earth behind me is the nighttime that I can't see. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm picturing. Perfect. (laughs) It's really interesting to me. Mm. I'm pretty sure this was icy, but I, once again, triggered by you to explore, looked into the, um, like place and body is really important and interesting to me in life and the idea of the location lines across the world. And I had, or have icy line I think running through areas of North Africa Middle East and then I've only found out I didn't know my any of my birth information for one side of my family until a lot later in life and there's a lot of aspects and story and heritage in that area and I've also had a lot of intrigue in that area that I didn't realize until finding either the um, icy aspect or the genealogy aspect that that was actually very relevant to my life. I just thought it was just like a curiosity when I was younger. Makes sense for IC. I feel like it was IC. From what I'm picking up, I just want to make sure we're on the same page, is that you were exploring um, astrocartography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember that name. (laughs) Yeah. I want to have to do an episode on that as well, because that's really interesting too. You can have a look at what lines like the an IC line what, what part of the world does it run through that's why some people can find that when they live in certain parts of the world or if they visit somewhere they might get this like really adverse response or they may find that they get a huge amount of expansion or growth I've looked at the lines later on places I've been yeah. curious about that I haven't been but also physical places I have good and bad experiences there were lions yeah. by Portland in yeah. particular. There was like a really, I can't remember which one I have. To, I think maybe the MC when I was there. The second I arrived there, so we drove him. second we were like coming in, I was like, these people like me. <laughs> it's a city of me. <laughs> it's really weird. And then yeah. I was only months later that I looked at astrocartography from our conversation and saw that. And was like, oh, wow. There's... It's so interesting. It doesn't necessarily mean we talk about the IC that it relates specifically to your heritage being there. I think that's just a serendipitous moment. But what it can do is you may find that when you go to a place like that, it feels like home. Mm. Yeah, to find that out. (laughs) You feel at home in aspects of that culture or the different cultures that my IC line moves through. The IC being at the bottom of the natal chart and yes it's your home and heritage but it's also your inner world your IC is in Gemini and your natal chart how you could interpret this is around the exchanging of ideas and information especially you're very cerebral your inner world I would imagine yes it is it's all about <laughs> idea generation that's what Gemini represents it's about being curious even diving deeper into your heritage that might be something that's an inward journey that you go on maybe not outward and and depending too say for instance if you have a a Jupiter transit going through your fourth house which will end up happening you may find really cool to explore your heritage during that time what you can start doing is having a look is where all your planets placed in your natal chart not only what houses do they fall in but what part of your natal chart do you have planets that fall after your ascendant but before your IC do you have planets that are falling before or after your descendant and then the last 
piece is your midhaven, your MC, and that's the highest point of your natal chart. It's on your 10th house cusp. This is your reputation. This is how you make your mark in the world because it's on the 10th house cusp and the 10th house represents public image and career. It can give you a lot of insight into not only your identity and the roles that you take on in life, but also the sense of security that you seek from your career. For you, Mel, your MC is in Sagittarius. Sagittarius is the sage of the zodiac. It represents higher knowledge, wisdom, learning, spirituality. There's no surface with Sagittarius. It is about going to the depths and understanding something. And that also is your reputation. I know from working with you that you don't do anything half. It's I'm going to give you this full immersion experience, which is exactly what Sagittarius represents. It's also really important that you feel expanded in the work that you're doing, whether you're expanding the person that's in front of you or you're expanding yourself throughout that process because it really is about I want to expand my internal world and also that I know will then expand my external world. I feel like that's a very something I have always known and follow, like for me it feels like a truth or like a foundational kind of belief that way. But then how it can um, show up as well is I like exploring and adventuring within that expansion quite a lot too. Ah. Oh. Absolutely, because Sagittarius is all about adventure. That's what it represents. I think too, because you've got some really key placements that are in air signs in your natal chart, being a Libra sun, but also being an Aquarius moon is that that's where that adventuring in the mind comes from. It doesn't mean that it's all outward expression. There is a lot of internal adventure that is happening too. And what I love so much is that um, there is a real art and creativity to your midhaven placement because Venus conjuncts your MC. Venus is the planet of relationships, values, and money. When you've got a planet that's really close to a point in a natal chart, creates an entirely new archetype on its own. You have Venus in Sagittarius. This is another layer to you why relationships are of importance. You need spontaneity in your relationships. Mel and I spent some time chatting here and she brought up a really good point. She's not naturally spontaneous in her relationship, so she looks to others for this. This is why astrology should always be collaborative, no matter who you're working with. And it's a really great time to point out when you Google only one part of your natal chart, know that it's always a part of a greater whole. You do benefit from the relationships that you have with other people, specifically women, because Venus represents women, and especially when it comes to business, because you have your own business, is that the relationships that you have with women around you, no matter what industry that they're in, they help you to rise and up-level your reputation. One of my highest values yeah. is like involvement. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm all my relationships, we're both a degustation to each other. There's no side dish. Not yep. even a main course. It's yep. all. And that's, that's not for everyone. But at the same time, it's also yep. not for me if someone's not in that place. Like I'm from, especially from once I got to a great point of like healing and self-awareness and maturity in my life. From that point onwards, it was like, I don't have time. And oh, there's ebb and flow at different times in relationships. There's times where someone might be going through a challenge and they need more from me. They need to receive. Like that's, of course, that's part of, that's part of being involved is to sense those shifts. But when there's a permanent foundational asymmetry there in either interest in the relationship or in the mutuality of the relationship, like that's not for me. You won't find me around for long. But at the same time, every relationship 
career as well, every relationship where I look where a relationship begins, I'm looking at it from a long term. How and from that mutual mutuality. How's this going to be? What's this going to mean for us long term? And I think of that from the start, whether I choose to invest energy or not, if that alignment is there forever, oh. like, or for for what makes sense for that relationship. Um, yeah. There for a reason, a season or a lifetime. It's like season and lifetime for me. Yeah. <laughs> not many reason people. And that's fine. Well, I think too, like when you've got a, your son is in the eighth house, the, the eighth house is it represents birth, death and transformation because it is, it's like a scorpionic house because it's ruled by Pluto, but it represents depth. And so being Libra sun, Libra being personal air planet, relationships are important to you. It's a part of your identity, but being in the eighth house, which is all about depth, there needs to be an endurance to the relationship. It's I'm not going to do surface with you. This isn't transactional. This is like, how do we have something or conjure something together that is going to stand the test of time. Absolutely. To me, that's where a lot of meaning and joy and purpose in life comes from relationships that just make, I very much see my time in this world as being about curiosity and exploration. What can we experience? And that's so much more profound when shared. And when you can look at different, when you can look at your lives with different eyes as those eyes change over time and grow, that's like, to me, that's so special. Like that makes life very, worth living and very a source of aliveness so beautiful i love that i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did stay tuned for part two where we'll be diving into chiron and black moon lilith